Welcome back, everyone, to uh, Exo Friends, the Exo Squad podcast on the Exo on the Exo Millennial Network on the Elder Millennial Network. <laughs> I think we should uh, be the Exo Millennial Network. I kind of love that. Yeah, that it, well, then we'll really have to make a podcast about that boy band in Japan, right? Well, and also, I mean, like, not to deviate too far, but like, you know, like thinking about the concept of Elder Millennial Network, it's like our generation is actually in this sort of weird space where we're too young, like specifically like people around our age, Dave, like where we're too young to be Gen X, but we're a little bit too old to be millennials. Like, you know what? We didn't have broadband internet till college. We didn't have cell phones till college. So like the internet world was still like very much in its like nascence when we were in high school. Uh, it was a far cry from what it is. I remember like once, like back when we were in like ninth or 10th grade, you gave me like a website by just giving me the actual web address and it was like some long ass <laughs> web address. Cause there was no like Google to look it up on. Yeah. Ask Jeeves, man. Yeah. Uh, Ask Jeeves <laughs> came out. When, like I was like a senior in high school or something. Really? Right. Like I, I used to use what search engines did I use before Google? Lycos, Alta Vista. Cause Alta Vista also had a translation tool and I don't think I ever really used Ask Jeeves. Like, I actually legitimately thought when I was younger that I was too smart to use Ask Jeeves. Like, like, I'm, I'm way too I was cool. like, I don't need that. That's for plebeians who don't know how to use computers. <laughs> well, in my defense, I think, so I'm born in 1985. So, like, I think I just squeak into the elder millennial category you here. Do. But, like... Because we, we had, like, our first internet connection when I was about 13, and all I could do was, like, go on once a week and chat with people in a chat room somewhere halfway across the world. And, like, the only things I was looking for on the internet were, yeah, like, random teenage chat rooms, uh, random, like, spy schools or, like, Buffy the Vampire websites. Yes. Vampire Slayer, sorry. And I don't know, like, I somehow stumbled across ask Jeeves at one point and tried to use it and it didn't work but I remember like one of my friends in school we were about 13 and she tried to create a hotmail account but her spelling wasn't so good so she spelt it like m-a-l-e and just like <laughs> this poor little teenage girl like so oh. innocent stumbled across a bunch of like really weird fucking porn <laughs> yeah <laughs> so well. I don't know <laughs> those are like my earliest memories of the internet like that that era uh -huh. and it was hard to find stuff. You would just type stuff in, like, spyschools.com, thespyschools.com, whatever. Like, just try to see what would come up. Well, in that way, like, AOL was really a lot better than a lot of other providers because they had the whole, like, keyword system, which was, you know, the 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 first, like, major search engine, right? You just, like, keyword on AOL, Spice Girls, everything you wanted to know about the Spice Girls through AOL on the internet. Like, yeah. I don't think, I don't think we had AOL. Yeah, I don't imagine. It's America Online, would, right? Yeah. 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 I wow. mean, again. My, Good old AOL. For for the truly for the truly ancient internet users <laughs> out there. My my current boss is actually the daughter of the guy who invented CompuServe. Oh wow. Whoa. Yeah. Actually, that's amazing. Sorry, I'm like an internet history nerd now because it's Come a thing in my dissertation so i'm like researching a whole lot of like early 90s internet history usenet and like that kind of stuff and it's fascinating does does your re like are are the groups that you research do they actually go back that far do you like yeah. to the usenet and like iirc days and things um yeah so i mean basically what my dissertation is doing right now is i'm tracking 
a history from print to digital, like when the men's rights movement kind of transitioned from print material to digital material. And I'm looking at specific like discourses and themes in a Usenet group that was operating from about 1994 um, into the 2000s when Usenet was bought by Google. I yeah, mean, there's I there's know. been fringe right communities in the uh, in in digital space since there's been digital space that people can yeah. meet in. Um, Stormfront's origins trace back to like trace back to like 1991, I think. Wow. Yeah, and yeah. Stormfront itself, like in its current incarnation, was launched in like 95. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. On the other hand, like I mean, so there's not. There's not a lot of research, I think, on the early digital stuff of the kinds of, yeah, like right-wing or more reactionary communities that came out and I study, but um, there's one particular scholar who's looked at, like, the history of transgender people on the internet, especially, like, the early internet days, and, again, like, using Usenet groups to just, yeah, like, talk about and connect with other people who were realizing that they were transgender at that time. It's It's kind of amazing, like, how much of the lingo we use today comes out of those, like, early 90s groups. That is really cool. Right? Yeah. Sorry, yeah. internet history is fascinating. I know that's not what this show's about. We've been talking about absolute bullshit for like five no, minutes. No, if, <laughs> if we can educate our audience on some other things just a little bit, I think we that's are true. fulfilling our obligation as uh, podcasters. Indeed. Which and... is really no obligation, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, but it's you know like what you're here for. It's the rambling. This, this is real journalism. <laughs> Hard-hitting news. You've heard it here. You've heard it first. On the Elder Millennial Network. <laughs> we need like one of those like, like news like sort of like um, intro yeah. music themes. We need I'm going like to a... find like an I'm going to find like an intern at some college and you know, who can do that and pay them like 50 bucks. Or, like give me whatever effort this is worth. <laughs> Hell yes. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. Well, on the ExoSquad ticker tape today, uh, yeah. what are we looking at? <laughs> Well, we're we're looking at the expendable, um, just like capitalist workers. Anyways, anyways, <laughs> uh, the, this is this is uh, written by Mark Edens and Len Wine, and this is the first time I've seen. I think that's how you say his name. Uh, mm. This is the first time I've seen that name. Uh, j- just a few things about him that I thought were cool. This guy has worked on a ton of shit, like not. I don't think he has any a lot of head writer credits, but he's worked on X-Men, Justice League, Batman, Daredevil, wow. Flash, Superman, Supergirl, Swamp Thing, and a whole bunch of other shit. Yeah. Uh, he unfortunately passed away in 2017. But that's and a hell of any... a life and a hell of a career, though. That's like, right? I mean, almost every show that I really loved as a child. <laughs> And, and well, I think most of his work was related to actual like comic book writing. Oh, um, that's cool. But and like Chris Claremont, and if anyone you know is is a big enough fan of X Men to know about the people who write them, Chris Claremont has basically been the X Men guy since the late seventies, I think. Wow. It, like he when uh, before Len died, he was he he actually said like if the comic book world wouldn't look anything like it does today. If not for this guy who barely ever even gets credited in the comic book credits. That's Damn. nuts. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> I, I, I'm glad that guy got to work all that time in those comic, in the comic industry. But like, that's the, that sucks that he never got probably the credit he deserved. Cause if Chris Claremont says something like that, it's probably 
true. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which... Well, and this was an excellent episode. I thought it was like, this is like one of the best episodes we've covered so far in season two. And I think it's like a really just strong episode overall in terms of the whole show. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I think the uh, writing in this episode is really excellent. It, it, although like to the point where like, I don't, I didn't have a lot to say about this episode. So I'll be leaning on you guys to be like, talk, talk. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think we can come up with some stuff. Yeah. But, but hopping into the episode, uh, we open with a flashback of Rita in like this kind of like Chungus E-frame <laughs> uh, being chased by pirates. And she's saved by someone named Valentine, who I think was like the leader of her squad. Something uh, like that, and yeah. then right after he saves her, he's immediately shot down by the pirates, presumably dying. Um, she gets shot, crashes on a nearby asteroid, and... Jupale is part of this flashback. He get, he lands on this asteroid, gets out of his ship, cracks on the windshield on her E-frame, and is like, it'll be wonderful to think of you slowly running out of air in the depths of space. Like, Jesus <laughs> Christ, Jupale. Right. Although, can we pause for a moment and reflect on the fact that he just, like, lightly taps her windshield with the butt of his pistol and cracks it somehow? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what are they? Are these actually made of glass? <laughs> maybe the early ones were like, like, oh, incredibly God. brittle yeah. like, this is probably not a I mean, maybe they were like well the only thing you're going to be hitting out there that might like it's going to be like laser fire so like you know what are, whether it's like something like they can resist yeah, the blood of a pistol or not lasers should probably except pass all the it, like so. debris that's flying around in space True. surely that a would space... be an issue that's like a the number mosquito? one killer of like exopilots in the early days is like just space debris micro asteroids like a space mosquito hits your windshield and it explodes <laughs> oh, oh grim. my gosh um it should Rita wakes up from this flashback slash nightmare in again another wonderfully spacious exo fleet apartment mm-hmm. um <laughs> I, 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 they're in space where do they get all this material uh and uh we go we go over to uh, the the pirates making a ruckus in the mess hall as Jubail tells a story, which I think is him telling a story about how he killed someone from Exofleet. Oh, undoubtedly. Yeah. I kind of got this. Oh, so go ahead. I was gonna say, like, I don't think he specifically says it's someone from Exofleet, but it's like, okay, but who are you? Who are you fighting out here? Honestly, yeah, he, like, it's it's kind of implied. Yeah. He's only fought the Neo Sapiens like once, <laughs> so. Unless he was talking about that one time, he's definitely just bragging about murdering someone from Exofleet while sitting in the Exofleet dining hall. Right, um, and you kind of get the I sense kinda... that. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, I kind of hate Jubail now. Yeah, like I think yeah, that was kind of asshole. a flex. Like I think they're all just sort of sitting in there, like surrounded by Exotroopers, talking really loudly about killing Exotroopers because they're still pirates, right? Like, yeah, there's still that sort of antagonism and everything here. And uh, uh, Hollis's laughter in this is so grating. He's like literally slapping his knees. He's like, that story of murder was hilarious. <laughs> right. Which is, again, where I think it's like, it's it's so overblown. It's like, I think they're flexing to deliberately like mess with the extra troopers around them. Yeah. Yeah, which yeah. is still a shitty thing to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, because also like, I was going to say, prior to this point, I don't think Rita's had as much characterization as some of the other I mean like Nara is like the 
the woman character who gets the most kind of backstory um, in the first season. Whereas now we're like finally seeing like Rita also has PTSD. I don't know, like a lot of people on the show have PTSD, which again for a kids show is pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, they 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 don't outright explain the idea of PTSD, but like if you have any idea what PTSD is, you're like all of these people need therapy. <laughs> right. Right. Well, it's like, I mean, you know, kind of watching this show when we were kids in the context of like still not that long ago, the Vietnam War ending. And I don't know about you, but like I did know a few Vietnam vets as a kid, like, you know, not like, well, I was only friends with like people like my parents worked with or like teachers at school and stuff like that. And like that seemed to be the kind of cultural narrative of like, you know, like all these guys have like we I forget what we called it back then. It wasn't PTSD, but it was like uh, had some other term for it. Um, that I, is escaping me now, but like PTSD is the one that we use now. I think in the wake of the Iraq War. Um, I was gonna like, say I was gonna say shell shock, and then I was like, no, that's like World War One. Yeah, it's like World War One, World War Two. But we had it. We had like a term either way. But like this notion that like yeah, they all have like trauma and they have like Vietnam flashbacks is like a cultural trope back like in the early '90s, late '80s, like once the culture started talking about Vietnam. And so, like, I just, I think, like, as a kid, I kind of remember just sort of filtering all of this stuff in through that frame of, like, oh, yeah, like, war's trauma, like, and people have, like, these, like, bad memories and flashbacks and things. Like, that's really where you kind of, like, think about it as. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's just interesting. And then to have that, like, that opening scene of her going through this really traumatic experience, then, like, immediately juxtaposed with them being fucking assholes right <laughs> yeah it just it doesn't it doesn't put them in a nice light and you're like oh i really want to like these pirates but wow they're just so horrible right now right yeah they're they're just the worst especially Jubail. Yeah. Um. but i like yeah. that i like that it's not just like oh well like now we're we're on the same side so we're all pals now like the fact that they introduce some conflict and they make this like it's something that has to be worked out it's not just like we're friends and everything's fine you know yeah uh, they're they're doing they're doing the work that the writers need to do to actually sell, like you know in particular Rita's hatred. Like mm. now, like I don't like Jabeo now as the audience, and it's really clear to me that Rita is, is in the right to fucking hate this guy. Yeah, yeah, and yet somehow they're both gonna have they're all gonna have to learn to work together to deal with the like massively genocidal threat that's threatening both their futures. Like, right. it's a really interesting, it's for a kid's show, especially, but even just, like, in general, this is good writing. This is a very complex, mm-hmm. difficult kind of situation to put a whole bunch of, like, very diverse people who don't see eye to eye in. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. And, and while they're making this ruckus, like, the, uh, I think it's Kaz and Wolf are like, why don't we go over there and kick their ass, basically. Yeah. And Rita is the voice of reason she's like no we have to like not do that we have to learn to work with them otherwise we'll never win this war and then we immediately cut over to the hangar where maggie is fixing up some b-frames and rita asked to check on her neuro couplings and and then jt comes in with and asks rita to demonstrate for a couple of pirates including jubail their e-frames and how they work and like what they can do and Rita reluctantly gets into them after saying, like, well, if we teach them all this, they're going to use it against us later. And he's like, orders are orders, Rita, do this. And she gets in the E-frame and Jubail, I can't remember exactly what he says, but he basically, again, brags about, like, like I. Uh, that's what he says. He says, I've never seen an E-frame that I wasn't 
destroying, basically. Yeah, yeah it wasn't like in ruins after I'd blended the bits, which is like, yeah. first off, I remember thinking this is, I have like this flashback to being a kid and thinking this at the same time. It's like, well, you would have seen it when it was working before you blew it up. So like, come on, man. You would have been that internet contrarian in the room. Oh, You're yeah. like, well, actually. <laughs> it was definitely working before you blew it up. So, yeah. Or are you just saying you just went around like shooting junked, like broken E-frame, Sergio Bale? Yeah, it's like it's easy to kill them when they're not fighting back, right, you Bale? Yeah. Uh, oh, like, you played yourself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mic drop. Don't drop the mic. It's expensive. Uh, <laughs> the... Uh, but uh, Rita gets in her E-frame and snaps and starts going after Jubail while he's boasting about this. She, I think she, like, punches him, yes. and then she's about to step on him. Yeah. And I was just thinking, like, man, grittier reboot, like, the ultraviolence of squishing a human being underneath a boot that's the size of their torso. Yeah. With like, with like it's basically like a Terminator scene. Yeah. Like, right. pneumatic paper pressing a human. <laughs> like yeah. oh what a mess <laughs> and maggie would probably have to clean it up since it's her hanger <laughs> like, I also, god damn it rita <laughs> watching the scene like when she punches him because she like really clocks him in her suit and i was like yeah you know the fist that her like e-frame is making is bigger than his head i was like that should have immediately just like snapped his little neck <laughs> like he should yep. be paralyzed if not He's, dead at this point like, how is he not just shattered <laughs> right matt <laughs> Force force equals mass times acceleration, and she like accelerated to punch him with <laughs> with something that is much more massive than a human body. Uh, yeah, like what, what do you reckon take, one of those fists weighs? Like right? hundred pounds. And it doesn't take that much to collapse a human body. Like oh, we're, we're pretty squishy. Uh, and, but JT runs up and just yanks out the fusion pack, which. Hey, why is that so easy to do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, in general, that's like one of the questions I have about the show is like, well, how is this not like buried deep in the E-frame and super shielded? Yeah, the thing, the thing that constantly explodes and can be used to self-destruct and create an even bigger explosion. <laughs> like these are these are basically small, like tactical nuclear weapons on them. <laughs> yeah. Which also raises the question, like, can anyone just get behind them and like pull up right? the... You know, in which case, again, like, Jabail, use your brain, bro. Like, I don't know what you're doing. If they're that easy to take down, <laughs> like, just... Well, he got, he got, he got sucker punched. So That's he true. didn't, he didn't have enough time to, but, but now all those pirates know how to disable that type of E-frame. <laughs> right. It's just like, oh, there's like a little mail slot in the back that you just open up and pull a, like, pull a fusion pack Yoink. right out. No problem. Maybe, maybe those handles are like, like Judge Dredd guns that only open if a member of ExoFleet like gets on them. Like the... <laughs> right. It's just like what biometrically could... linked. Like yeah. the neural, yeah, like neural connection thing that they have. But still, like, yeah. with how unstable those things are shown to be over the course of the show, it's like, there's, like, what, like a, like a half a centimeter of, like, plating between, I'm assuming it's armor anyway, between the outside and that? Well, it all harkens back to, like, what, the first or second episode when Alec just lands on that ship and is like, here's the power pack, dink, fly away. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like, all right, uh... yeah, I guess we don't really believe in shielding things in this universe. It's fine. They, they had to. They had to. They had to cut budget somewhere in the military, and right. they did it by cutting out life-saving armor. <laughs> Power packs and fusion packs brought to you by Halliburton. Oh my god! <laughs> oh god! <laughs> it executes you in the shower. 
Oh, uh, <laughs> sorry. Okay. Oh, too soon. Let's not talk about that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, anyway, so yeah, Rita kicks the shit out of Jabil, and then JT runs up and disarms her like in two seconds. It's pretty funny. Uh, yeah. Is there a scene it, of some Neo Sapiens eating, or am I getting ahead of us now? Yes, no, there is. Okay. Uh, that's that. That's very, very soon after this. Uh, All right, sorry. But but Rita Rita is thrown in the brig, and JT like comes in and demands an explanation, and she's just stone cold Rita at this point. She's like, I'm I'm not gonna basically like I'm not gonna apologize. He deserves to die, and he's like, we we gotta work, and kind of kind of gets through to her. Like we gotta work together, otherwise we'll never win this war. And uh, then she tells him the story about who Jubail killed her old squad, and like you know, obviously JT is sympathetic to that because he's lost squad members before, mm-hmm. but he he sees the bigger picture. Um, when he goes to Winfield to be like, you have to drop the charges against Rita because our squad needs her, the Exofleet needs her. We have so few people, and Winfield's like, I can't because that will drive the pirates away. But if you can get Jubail to drop the charges, well, then I'd have to go along with it, right? Clever. And uh, <laughs> then we see the, the scene where the Neosapiens are eating. And it's Typhonus and all of the other Neosapien generals. Yeah. Yeah. Which seemed the odd. Scene is, the scene is weird for, like, a number of reasons. The more you think about it as well, the weirder it gets. Like, I don't know, to Kayvon and I, the first thing it stood out was like, what are they eating? It's just like this, like slop porridge. I don't know, tasty that, wheat. That the nutrient paste. That's. that's <laughs> I mean, which I mean, in a future where you got you have probably God knows how many billions of people, and like there's only so many resources and whatnot. Like people are probably eating nutrient paste. It's like made from like bugs and soybeans or something. Well, that's they all true. should be eating those giant candy bars that uh, Nara gave the refugees <laughs> on Venus. Yeah. Right. But the other weird thing, like, that meal, Neosapien, like, if you look, that table is disgusting. Like, there's food slopped everywhere. And yeah. It's just like, Neosapiens yeah. don't strike me as the kind of, like, I don't know, subspecies or whatever they are that would, like, just eat like a bunch of pigs. Like, I, I would imagine Neosapiens would, like, actually be very dainty and delicate and very, like, precise in their eating. Yeah. Yeah. The, the only, the only, like... Maybe you could do a deeper read into it and be like the leadership of the Neo Sapiens are starting to almost become aristocratic, uh, degenerate. Mm. I like it. Like I, I, I'm one hundred percent certain that's not what they were going for. But I, I like it, it's 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 an interesting thought in my head at least. Yeah, there's like a way you could read it like that. I don't know. Yeah. There's also like just weird stuff on the table that I don't understand. Yeah, none of it looks like food. Yeah, there's just like a, a beaker with a straw or something. I don't know. It, it was <laughs> I just very. Have grabbed a screen cap of that. And it was like a very short but like very confusing scene. And also, I don't know. I was like, okay, so maybe we're going with the nutrient paste. It's all just like mass produced. But I was like, do Neo Sapiens cook? Are they good at cooking? Do they have the creativity to cook? Are they better at baking? Do they even? These are the thoughts that go do... through my mind. <laughs> I mean, do they even have taste buds? Yeah. 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 Is eating just like a? I mean, if they're, maybe it's just something they picked up from humans. But like the idea of them like sitting around sharing a group meal suggests that eating is more than just a functional activity for them. You know, it's just going out and kind yeah. of you know broad speculation here. But if like the idea of gathering around a table to share a meal as a way to sort of like bring the general, even if they're just talking business, the idea that like having even a business lunch or something 
suggest that food's not just something where it's like you grab a tube of nutrient, a flavorless nutrient paste and just squirt it into your mouth. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It looks like there's like presentation. Flavorless gogurt. Yeah, basically, right? But there's like a presentation to the table, right? It looks like food's been laid out. Like there's a certain degree mm-hmm. of ritual there that like is a deep part of human civilization because like we put, you know, like food is this like deeply ritualistic element to our lives, or at least it should be like capitalism's kind of trampling over that. Um, and so like, unless they're just aping their quote unquote human masters or makers or whatever, like it seems like they would have some similar culture to that. Yeah. Again, things to explore in the live action remake is like, you know, like Neo Neo sapien slave culture and their like meal at the end of the day or something like, yeah. Oh yeah. Do you think there's like, ooh, I, 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 like I'm trying to think like you know how like yeah um, there there's definite there is a definite level of cuisine influence from, uh, from from American slave culture, mm-hmm. right? Uh, do you think like, but what would they grow on Mars? There's nothing they could have grown to be like okay, we get the worst bits of this food. Let's make the best out of it. Right. So it was probably like, how do you dress up your garbage nutrient paste and stuff? Like, how do you, and not just how do you dress it up in terms of like, what do you do with the food itself, but what ritual comes along with like, you know, it's the end of the day, all the Neosapiens are worn out. They trudge back to their tunnels or whatever they're living in and like, you know, gather around for the, the like daily nutrient paste and like what kind of rituals are associated with that and what kind of cultural practices and that sort of stuff. Like could be really fascinating shit to explore in a, you know, future yeah. remake. Cause I yeah. mean, this is also why I was wondering about the cooking is like, do they have the creep? I only asked this question because the show kind of puts it out there without ever answering it of like, well, if they're not really creative, do they have culture or like, do they, do they value something like cooking? Right. And like right. the creativity that comes with that kind of activity. Um, right. I, I was, I was like thinking, I was like, Masala is probably a good cook. Cause he's got humor and he's kind of sly and he's got, you know, like the more effective um, responses for a Neosapien, but I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so so like like marsala would watch like all the cooking shows and want to do something nice for his squad by cooking for them right but then you got like typhonus who would be more like bender trying to cook (laughs) and like he tries to serve to some humans and they're all like ah (laughs) like what is this this may taste like it's just pure salt it's like it's only 97 percent of a lethal dose what's wrong (laughs) i can't kill you You'll be fine. Oh, no. I had two servings. (laughs) Oh, my God. That'd be hilarious. Uh, Uh, I don't know. It's like there's I feel like there's a whole world here, though, of like Neosapien culture that like just should be because like, you know, this notion that like, oh, like, do you have to be creative or whatever? Like have like a sense of like emotional depth. But it's like we do see like we're going to meet what's his name? Thrax in a little while. Like there's definitely emotional depth there. Even Phaeton has like a ton of emotional depth. Yeah. And it's, like, I think, like, you would have, like, some kind of, like, there's got to be some kind of, like, yeah, very kind of slave-inflected kind of culture that they would have that, I don't know, it would just be really, that would, I think, be, like, just the most fascinating stuff to explore if there were ever future Exoskeleton franchise stuff. And the other other thing about it is, like, you, like, Neo-Sapiens are a race in their infancy. Like, the first generation of Neo-Sapiens is still alive. Yeah. Yeah. And they haven't been around more than 
60 or 70 years, I think. Something like that, yeah. Less so, than a century. Like, they're, they're probably, like, uh, again, they're just, like, an infant developing what they actually are at this point. Yeah. That's a, that's an interesting thought. I like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm getting a galaxy well, brain effect right now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we... we Again, why, why are all the generals here? Uh, but Typhonus Typho- uh, has like this meal epiphany. He's like, wait, if you can't destroy them from the outside, destroy them from the inside. <laughs> then he calls he calls up Barca and it's like, you have to sabotage the grab shield so I can attack. And at this point, I was in my head like, wait, have they even fixed the grab shield yet? And uh, we we get that answered later. But before that, Jubail is trying to convince the pirates to leave because of Rita's assault. Uh, JT demands that Jubail repay his debt for sparing his life and drop the charges against Rita. Jubail refuses, and JT basically shames him, and then he's like, fine, I drop the charges if you're going to be like that, but our debt is paid now. And and Sabako, always with the practical advice, he's like, do you? leave something like that alive jt you should kill him <laughs> it's like, yeah, you, sh- you, you, mis- you made a huge mistake when you didn't kill him back on tethys yeah um algernon is continuing work on the graph shield and maggie pushes past his guard to be like to try and help and she actually seems to almost impress algernon with her like technical acumen and abilities um yeah because he hands her some like gadget I don't know, widget, whatever it is, and then she can correctly identify it and what's wrong with it, right? Yeah, like, like not even not even by, like, touching it, really. Like, she picks it up in her hand, looks at it, and is like, this is what's wrong with it. Yeah. Which, which it actually almost seems like Algernon wasn't able to do that, because while he might be a brilliant scientist, maybe he's not as good or experienced an engineer as she is. Yeah. Like, he can he can design and, and engineer the graph shield, but maybe he needs the help of someone like Maggie to build it. What, what, um, what a jack off! If he's just like throwing this temper tantrum, hands her this thing, he's like, "Oh, let's see if this like noob knows what's wrong with it." And she's like, "Hey, yeah, this is exactly." She's like, "Oh shit!" It's like, "Yeah, that's exactly what's wrong with it, man. It's hard to find good help." Like, what an <laughs> asshole! I mean, that's kind of my suspicion about what's going on there, because uh, you know, and I'm not, uh, I'm not a person in this field, but I know that there are like, uh tensions sometimes between like theoretical physicists and then actual like practical physicists i.e i guess engineers um and so yeah i kind of wonder if like algernon's really good at the the theoretical side right like doing the math but then maggie's like okay no i'm, I'm the one who's actually gonna like build this thing or fix this thing um yeah and if he's well just, yeah his... he's again like kind of flexing in front of her for whatever reason <laughs> stupid insecurity yeah it's like he designed it and he's like i need to output this much power and then he's like, you, figure out how to output this much power. <laughs> um, I, 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 I hate people like Algernon, but I love characters like Algernon. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he just they're, they're always some, compelling to me. He they're great some, heels, like, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because they're just so annoyingly awful, but also essentially you're like, well, you, you need this guy because like he is brilliant, but he's a complete jag off. And it's just kind of fun to hate people like that in, in television shows. Yeah. Yeah. I also, Especially I love- kids since he is. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. You go for it. I, I was going to say, it, it, 
it said also because he is a good guy. Well, he's on the good guy's side, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like if he was a if he was a villain, he'd be like, oh yeah, it's fucking off him. Like, but now now it's like, oh, we have to deal with this guy, but he is really useful. <laughs> I also like that he's kind of like a pretentious academic, right? Because he's obviously mm-hmm. like a really good um, scientist, as he keeps pointing out. But then he also he has that like three D painting lab or whatever at one point that we see him in. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I mean, I guess he's kind of a stereotype of like, yeah, just a pretentious scholar who just wants to be left alone to their like intellectual pursuits and doesn't really give a shit about people or ethics or right he's like an i fucking love science guy like to a to a like <laughs> a, to the nth degree because he's like what, might... he has that one line in the scene where she's like he's like oh i told admiral winfield this would happen if without proper testing blah blah, blah. and she's like weren't we like under attack at the time and he's like oh that's an external detail science doesn't care about external details <laughs> things like morality and <laughs> circumstances it's yeah. just like, wow. All right, man. Yeah, you're one of those types. It's just like, science has all the answers. Science is neutral and objective. It's never, infl- <laughs> oh, yeah. it's never inflected with human bias ever. Yeah, it's just ever. Pure, but... pure objective math. <laughs> That's how we got the grand, like, the grand and wonderful history of things like phrenology and eugenics. Yeah, totally. Is it science executed by humans? <laughs> Immaterial. <laughs> right. That's philosophy. Science has no room for that. But Boom. yeah, he's a good uh, he's a good heel for this exact reason. Yeah, right. exactly. Uh, Barca is sneaking after getting his call from Typhonus is sneaking around, and he hear overhears what they're saying about the graph shield, and now learns that it's not working. Um, when we go back to Winfield and Sabaka, uh, discussing what to do with the Neo Sapiens after the war, getting a little ahead of ourselves, mm-hmm. I guess, but because uh, they promised to give the pirates Mars. And uh, they eventually come to an agreement, like, okay, we're going to have to share it with them. But Simbok is like, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, because like, he's like, oh, no, we're going to get Mars, remember? And then I think it's a JT who's like, okay, well, don't forget, like, what are we going to do with the Neo Sapiens? And yeah, Simbok right. is just like, oh, like, exterminate them. Isn't that what one does to the losers in war? <laughs> it's like, usually not, actually, but all whatever. The, all the Terrans are like, no, that's not what we're doing. Like, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> yeah. Well, don't they? Like, they make like some the... agreement too to like, like let's give them the outer planets, right? Um, the... Yeah, that part that part stuck out to me, where it's like, okay, in exchange for the outer planets, we're gonna get Mars, but you can't have this one. Yeah, and then he reveals that the pirates actually have like a home world beyond the moons of Jupiter, uh, called Chaos, out past Pluto. Yeah, it's it's made uh, of dark matter, so it's invisible. Oh my god. <laughs> I was like, I'm no scientist. I am not a I fucking love science guy. But I was like, I don't know if that's what dark matter is, but okay. Right. It's not. <laughs> but that's that's the, like, that dark matter is that one of those wonderful things that, like, it, at least, especially back then, because I think it was still mm. just really theoretical back then, is, like, no one knows what it is, so you can make up whatever you want about it. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, it makes things invisible because it's dark, you see. <laughs> it's... But this is also, this is how, like, I'd be, I, I don't know, now I'm going on a little bit of a philosophical tangent, but there is, like, a weird trajectory from that kind of, like, I fucking love science guy that Kevon's talking about, right? This whole idea that, like, science is objective, it's fact, you know, it always works in these principles, there's no human bias or whatever. It's the pure here. truth. And then it, like, there's, like, a weird 
discursive trajectory i don't know how you get to that but like of like weird pseudoscience hippies who then try to use scientific language like this to justify all kinds of things so like i don't know if you've ever heard of like uh quantum spin therapy what no seriously this is i don't know sorry i'm very into debunking like weird wellness trends but like you can go for quantum spin therapy and you like lie on a table and they flash some like colorful lights around your chakras and it's supposed to help like realign you because your quantum energy is unaligned and obviously that's why you don't make enough money or you can't find love or whatever like i don't know but you know what i mean it's it's, it's like a pseudoscience thing and like i know that that's not exactly what the show is doing they're just using this term dark matter but i don't know you can't you can't see it but i literally have been making i literally was making the like fry suspicious face the entire time (laughs) you were talking about that i was like Oh man, yeah. I love I love homeopathic medicine. Um, it's it's great. It's the uh, world, isn't it? Although at the same time, I will tell people to do yoga to feel better, dude. But yoga, like, so I just started doing yoga with Lexi actually, um, like last month, and yoga isn't like it's it's stretching, it's cardio, it's a workout. You're exercising and exercising does make you feel better. <laughs> like that's yeah. like one of the and kind of basic principles of human while life. You do it. Yeah, and yeah. like, you know, taking the time to like regulate your breathing and tap it into your body movements. Like this is actual like this actually is stuff that's good for you. <laughs> so, I uh, I have I I got into I like really as mu- well at a very basic level. I really got into yoga like 10 years ago and the the story i have about it is i used to go to this hot yoga studio in pittsburgh um and one of the teachers there was a mutual friend of ours named candace and she saw me in there and i was like in a child's pose or something Mm. or like a like a half pigeon and she walks over because she's known me since high school and like steps on my back it's like i think you can go deeper dave and I'm like, you bitch <laughs> for like, she had a good laugh about for it. clarity's sake candace is like 98 pounds or something so like yes, it's not exactly she's, like she's gonna she's break a, you in half but she's a very tiny woman but she but she and she was right i could go deeper and she like pushed me and it, it really helped like i got to the point where i could like hold my foot up in the air with my leg like extended as po- as far as it could possibly be like above my waistline i wish i could get back to that i need to get back to that shit uh well, it's so good it quantum makes... spin therapy because that's going to realign your chakras spin... yeah. so that when you go back to yoga it'll be like instantaneous yeah oh. that's 100 how all that works <laughs> yes uh, so back on the dark yeah. matter planet chaos <laughs> do you reckon the pirates do yoga I mean, you know who does yoga? You know which pirate does yoga? Skull tattoo man, skull oh, no forehead question. tattoo pirate. No question. He definitely does yoga. That's like he could probably like do like a finger push up headstand. <laughs> <laughs> He's like literally. What's who's the yoga guy from Street Fighter? Sagat. Uh oh, no, not Sagat. What's his um, name? Wow, I am aging. Dalsim. 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 Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's like he's just basically the, he probably actually is Dalsim in the future. He's like Dalsim's like great 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 grandchild. Man, the we could we could probably do a whole episode <laughs> about the racist stereotypes from Street Fighter Two. Uh, <laughs> oh, bless their hearts. They, they, they try. Yeah. 
they at least at least they depicted them all as strong people (laughs) strong independent individuals with huge thighs anyway (laughs) so exo squad um Winfield, so Winfield and Sabak are discuss. They're having this discussion about what to do with the Neo Sapiens after the war. They tell Sabaka says we have. He tells them about the tenth planet called Chaos, where the pirates are. Jubail really hates this, and Jubail leaves, uh, basically to go tell Barka about what what Sabaka is doing, so they can come up with a plan to get rid of Sabaka. But he finds Jubail contacting Typhonus shoots the recorder but not before barka can tell typhonus that the graph shield doesn't work and they get into a fight and barka kills jubail and i really like this like the guards come in and barka's like i found a spy yeah yeah can we also just talk about quickly how like dumb barka is because instead of going into like a private room because i guess everyone has like a fucking suite here um, but instead of just like going into his private room or whatever, he's like, let me run into this giant open warehouse where anyone could be like standing behind a big box and I'll go sit behind some boxes and then project this giant picture of Typhonus into the air to like report back. And <laughs> not so, like, not when, only that. Just oh, like ahead, when, when Jabail walks in, it's like, how could you not see the giant projection <laughs> of Typhonus in the air? <laughs> right? Not, not only that, somewhere where Jabail knew he would be. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. It's like, oh, in this area where Barca hangs out a lot. Like, oh man, that guy's always hanging out in this weird warehouse with wooden crates that we have. I just assume. I just assume he's getting the wank like two or three times a day behind those crates. I don't know. Which, like, again, that's my. That's why is he he's not carrying, doing that? He's in carrying his, his hollow porn. Like, yeah. <laughs> his neo sapien hollow porn. Um, yeah. It's like why again? Why is he or, not doing that in his suite? <laughs> exactly. Oh man. I, He's actually looking at Neo Nurses Only fans. <laughs> oh, dark. Yes. Or maybe not. Good for Neo Nurse. I maybe mean, not. Neo Nurse. Income. Neo Nurse has a following. She's making income. Yeah. She's doing her thing. We're not going to yeah, uh, shake work shame on this show. No, she I'm feels not, beautiful. I'm not judging. Like, I mean, good for her, man. I'm here yeah. for it. Who knows? Maybe Typhonus has Only fans, even. <laughs> he just crushes nutrient paste with his toes. <laughs> with ASMR too. Like you like the sound of that, don't you? You filthy human. You love it. Now sleep, human. Imagine my toes crushing you. This is so fucking weird. What the fuck? Is that? All right. The video. The the video is narr- is also introed and outroed by Stentor. <laughs> Anyway. <laughs> anyway, so Barker kills Jubail off screen. At first, I was like, oh, they're going to have like a fight or whatever, because I totally forgot. It's been probably a year since I started watching this show with Kayvon, and like, you're like, oh, shit, Jubail's dead. Damn. Yeah. Like, fuck, I mean, that ended quickly. Which, Rest like, peace, Jubail. I kind of, I mean, I'm kind of bummed that that just sort of then just abruptly ends the whole storyline with him and, um, and uh, Rita, which kind of yeah. kind of sucks. Right. Like, I would have liked some kind of resolution to that, but at the same time, this is probably the more like realistic outcome because, like, how do they actually bridge that divide? Like, hey, sorry for like almost suffocating you in space once and killing all your killing friends. Killing all your oh, like, friends. <laughs> yeah, at some point they were going to be on a mission together, and someone was going to accidentally hit each other. Yeah, like <laughs> it was inevitable. Like accidentally kill the other one. Yeah, that's yeah, true. yeah. Um. Although, can we just talk really quickly about the fact that there's wooden crates in this warehouse? 
right? Where do they get wood? Right. It's like they're on like they're they're pirates and like people trapped on a moon of like Saturn or whatever. Maybe they got Jupiter, a three D printer. Well, I mean, cellulose they did, into it and it makes they they did. Crates. I don't know. They did terraform uh, Venus to the point where like there are logging camps on Venus. Maybe that's where all this wood comes from. Maybe yeah, they're still using wood in the future. Yeah. I mean, it's got a nice look to it, a good smell. Yeah. yeah. Um, Gets that satisfying creaking sound when you crack it open with the old crowbar. Right. But uh, so so Barca Barca says that Jubail was the spy, which is clever. But you know, and I feel like had the next instant, next few actions not happened, people would have started to ask questions. Uh, and Winfield and Sambaka are told about Jubail being shot, but right as they do. Typhonus is approaching with his fleet, and they're like, oh shit, get off of Io. We've got to get out of here. Um, Able Squad and some pi- and some pirates deploy to cover the escape. Um, I wrote down the, the, that line that JT says, you know, Brodsky complains about. It. He's like, punch your time card, Brodsky. We don't have time for your shit. Uh, and uh, the battle commences. Able Squad and the pirates defend most of the evacuating shuttles. We see a few explode, so that's definitely another couple dozen people dead. Uh, Win- Winfield tells the fleet to scatter because he doesn't think there's any way they're going to make it out. And Simbaka's like, no, follow my flagship. I'm going to keep you safe, but he doesn't like tell him how. And Typhonus pursues. Winfield begins to make final preparations. He's like, you know, the pirates have to carry on the fight, get all the E-frames onto your ship so you can get out of here. And then, like, they don't do any, like, cloaking effects, so it's kind of hard to tell if this is what's happening. But I assume a bunch of pirate ships decloak and attack that fleet, mm-hmm. which, why, if you had that many people there just waiting to attack, why didn't you do it? Because <laughs> yeah. Because it's like they beat them pretty soundly. Yeah. Like, why didn't you just uncloak your fleet, like, yesterday and just wipe out the Neo-Sapiens? Yeah. Like, I understand Sabaka's trying to be all mysterious. Um, and then, then there's that, that great interaction between him and Sabaka. He's like, that's that's devious, Sabaka. I like that. It's <laughs> yeah, very, and very erotic. I also... So, so those... I just... Putting it out there, if anyone does this kind of thing i would love to see like a winfield simbaka slash fiction uh right i, I see you having your notes here simfield like perfect <laughs> winbaka simfield which, which which one would it be oh uh, more like because i don't know there's there's like a little bit of a bromance going on there because like when they first oh yeah you know when the pirates and the terrans or whatever like first kind of come in contact again simbaka's like oh well, you were always like an admirable adversary you know and like i really respect you even though we've been enemies and like now even when um earlier in this episode when winfield agrees to give the pirates mars and all that like they have that kind of like bro handshake thing that they do where they're not like they're not quite hugging and they're not quite shaking hands but they're like close enough i don't know Um, yeah it's a it's definitely a really awkward handshake because they like they're almost like parallel to each other standing next to each other and they like do it's it's really awkward looking yeah it's not as yeah. good as like um oh my god i can't believe i've forgotten the movie that famous freaking meme now of like arnold schwarzenegger oh like, predator thank mm-hmm. you jesus how did i forget predator um but it's it's like that kind of vibe is going on here with winfield and Sabaka, which absolutely again throwing some near nose and i'm i'm there for it 
Uh, <laughs> well, that's what I was going to say. I was going to say, Neo Nurses OnlyFans is going to have a guest star night with Sabaka and Winfield. <laughs> it's going to be a good. It's going to be a good time. Yeah, so send, oh. send DM <laughs> retweet for twenty percent off. <laughs> uh, and so after after that battle, um, Phaeton is berating Typhonus, who's guarded by like two Neo, two other Neo Sapiens. Typhonus takes out those two other guards easily, and then like this this dialogue exchange happens between them where Phaeton's like, I do need a Typhonus, but which Typhonus? And reveals his like pocket Typhonuses. And but then Typhonus just stands there and waits for this like disintegration device to come down from the ceiling and kill him. And I really feel like at that point, Typhonus even though like maybe Phaeton's like medical E-frame would give him an advantage, but maybe not. I feel like Typhonus could have like fought back here and possibly won. Yeah. I mean, he or at probably least or something. Yeah. But the, the thing is like yeah. when you're dealing with like a deeply authoritarian, basically fascist, it, it's called what it is, it's a fascist society. Like there's a psychological dimension to this where like mm-hmm. for Typhonus, he if he's like a true believer if he really is like a true believer in in phaeton's neo-sapien empire um that's the leader right like that's that's basically the voice of god to him and it's like so yeah he can overpower the other guys and salvage his dignity by like you know trouncing them and being like look i'm well i can beat up your best guards like i'm your dude um but you know when the leaders it's still the leaders like voices the word of god so it's like okay well you you know like he's kind of resigned to his fate and he, like the the concept of attacking phaeton for him of trying to overpower and kill phaeton is just like it, it would never even cross his mind it's like unthinkable yeah so you think you think he's that far into the indoctrination that he couldn't even conceive of picking up one of those guards guns and shooting yeah. or something like that yeah i mean because you got to figure like you know, it's similar to like what you see because like i mean there's it, this shows like obviously like the analogs to um uh the third reich and nazi germany are like deeply like are, are very like deeply kind of written into the show and yeah i mean if you think about like phaeton is this like kind of leader that promises neo sapien salvation and then in the blink of an eye and like like what less than a few days like overwhelms the exofleet defeats the exofleet soundly to conquers earth conquers venus um and looks like he's invincible and like that he everything that he's saying is he's woven this whole like myth of neo sapien salvation into his own like into his own person right so that mm. he is the physical embodiment of neo sapien salvation and you know you like you do have generals that like down the line kind of plot against him and stuff but like yeah i mean i see i could see like some of these guys just like completely buying into it hook line and sinker like you know some of the top kind of party officials in the nazi party did for sure yeah. 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 And then he gets vaporized. <laughs> yeah, straight up, to, straight up disintegrated. Yeah, like, pretty dark. <laughs> it's dark. Yeah. Um, after after that, the uh, the exofleet and the pirates arrive at chaos, which is invisible to sensors because it's made of dark matter. Yeah, which, that's that's the end of. The- I'm not an astrophysicist oh, by any stretch of the imagination. That's more my brother's department, but like. Dark matter is detectable, right? Like that's how we know it's there. Is like, hey, the universe like weighs more than it should, right, or something like that. Like that's the issue with dark matter is like it is actually measurable, right? 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't uh, know. I'm not a. I'm not a. I. I, well, I don't. I, maybe it wasn't science, sadly. So maybe it wasn't back then. I don't know. Like all I know is that it's a. It's still kind of theoretical, and supposedly is one of the things that holds the universe together. Like it's, it's like the matter in between the matter that we yeah. can't see, right? Sure. Yeah. So it that, that that's part of it. Yeah. Yeah. That I remember reading that somewhere. Um, Either way, when I was a kid, I thought like the notion of like an invisible planet chaos was like the coolest shit in the world, and I became a hardcore oh, pirate yeah. fan from like this episode onward. <laughs> oh, uh, something that we missed. Sorry, we like just briefly. It's like such a short little scene as well, but during the um the kind of fight scene where the uh, Exo Squad is helping the fleet like escape from um, Typhonus's fucking attack. There's a scene where, like, is it Hollis who saves Rita or, like, does something, backs yeah. her up, and then she's like, thanks, pirate, and she, like, gives him this, like, kind of weird, coy, over-the-shoulder, like, winky face look, and he's like, oh, my pleasure, oh, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. sorry, it was, like, a really, really weird and awkward way to introduce uh, some potential romantic interest, but I was just like, okay, well, this is cool, so she's not, like, anti-pirate, she's just anti-Jubail. Which now has been resolved, I guess. Right. Well, that's the kind of narrative resolution for the tension there, right? Is like, okay, well, Jubail's dead, so that like that takes that obstacle out of the way, and now it's like, oh, look, pirates and Exofleet can get along. Not only can they get along, but they can flirt sexually in space. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, but that's that's the end of the episode. Uh, I just wanted to take a quick moment to read uh just a response to our last episode where we we're talking about bronies a little bit a uh, friend of the show michael oh, writes in and says yay. uh in in regards to your interest in bronies check out the documentary bronies it's uh should be on netflix and it's actually narrated by john delancey and has a bunch of great hopefully uh good stories in it um we also talked about napier's e-frame last time Michael sent me a link to his YouTube channel, which is called Resurrected Hobbyist. Uh, it has actually got some pretty cool videos on it about ExoSquad toys and some other things. Uh, and he has a whole video about uh, Sean Napier and his police enforcer E-Frame, where he kind of at the end tackles the idea of where it came from. And it becomes unclear because like the show doesn't quite keep track of it narratively but you see it all over the place and it almost looks like it could be a neo-sapien or a human design hmm. That's cool. but yeah so people should check out that channel and uh go go give michael some love yeah. thanks um, for writing in michael yeah and thanks that's for recommending all this I got. documentary i just googled it and it looks fascinating yeah i reckon we'll probably yeah. watch it this week <laughs> the um that's all I got for this week. You two got anything you want to plug or talk about here at the end? Nothing this week, Not I think. I can think of, no. We watched the new okay. Saw movie. It's really Dumb. stupid, but so fun. Yeah, Maybe I had wait, more fun than the new on, but... Yeah. Is that the Chris Rock one? Yeah. Yes! It's... Oh, it's entertaining. I will, I will, I was not bored through the entirety of that film, but part of that lack of boredom was mostly just be like, this is a very poorly put together film. It's like like just from like a kind of technical standpoint alone and then acting on top of that and plot and narrative structure and uh, it's it's awful. Uh, I but it was entertaining. I, I really enjoyed it, especially cuz like Chris Rock is just hamming it up. Oh he's my god. He's just like he's at like 200%. 
yeah. the whole way through this film, and it's amazing. And somehow um, I didn't realize Samuel L. Jackson's in it, so like he shows up at one point, and you're like, holy shit, Sam Jackson's in this movie? <laughs> <laughs> Just basically playing a composite of like every character he's ever played. It's amazing. Ridiculous. I don't know. My only other thing is, I guess we'll see what's happening with Corona in the next few months, but like... If everyone could just get vaccinated so that I can go watch Dune on October 22nd, that would be <sighs> fucking amazing. <laughs> like... So, like, like I'm torn. I might mask up uh, because the Transformers 1986 movie is oh. having its 35th anniversary and they're releasing it in theaters. And I love that movie. Yeah. Oh. So good. Hell yeah. Uh, I, I might mask up to go see that. Yeah. That's worth it. That movie bangs. We should do a special episode of it someday. Yeah, that <laughs> just like don't tell me you didn't cry when Optimus died. <laughs> it's like I mean, if you're a kid and because you saw you that, did. you didn't. You were a monster. You were a liar <laughs> if you say you didn't. Yeah, right. <laughs> they actually that they, they actually brought him back because of all the hate mail they got about that. Really, like actual stale yeah. hate mail. Yeah, the guy, the guys. There's a there's a commentary or interview with the guys who made the movie, and they're like, "We thought we thought we were just making room for a new toy line. We didn't understand <laughs> how many people we upset by killing Optimus Prime in that movie." Just imagine, <laughs> like, what does that hate mail look like? Too, it's like. Dear Transformers people, my name is Jasper from Texas. I am 12 years old and have a dog. You killed Optimus Prime, and I will never forgive you, and I hope you die. Sincerely, Jasper. No, it, was, it wasn't like that. It was parents writing in, being like, you made my kid cry. <laughs> I mean... And, oh. and like, and like the, you, you look at that scene, and like how like dramatic and fucking sad it is when Optimus Prime passes away. Yeah. And, like, there's no way that you, like, because that's one of the best scenes in the movie. There's no way that, like, you watched that and didn't, and weren't like, yeah, yeah, this guy is the hero to children everywhere. <laughs> where we're not going to, we're not going to psychologically scar them in any way by putting in dramatic music, making his skin turn black, and watching his the the literal light of life leave his eyes. Oh God, this is an animated film or like a live yeah. action? Yeah. yeah. Okay. No, I, this is this is. I was not a Transformers kid. I'm sorry. Like I have no it, context for this stuff. It it is a very high quality version of the original cartoon. Okay. All right. That's what I figured. Because I mean, yeah. now that I'm like we're talking about this, I'm just like thinking back to all the films that disturbed me as a child, and like you know, ranging from um like the lion king like i still can't watch the scene where mufasa dies because i'll just start crying uh oh. and like i don't know i'm just watership down like there were so many disturbing yeah. kids films for our I've, generation i, need and to I watch kind that. of wonder if children nowadays are getting their first taste of grief through cinema like i don't know i'm not Do trying to make some sort of him? weird argument about kids being soft now like you know things were tougher back then but yeah secret of nim was just like really dark even yeah. um yeah gremlins right yeah. like the first gremlins movie was not for kids but we all watched it and we were like traumatized <laughs> yeah yeah and my parents no, didn't that's... give a fuck <laughs> it, it's 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 weird because like I, I like i don't have kids but i have a bunch of friends who do have kids and like I look at some of that stuff that we got to watch as kids, and I'm like, this shit is dark. Mm. And then I talk about it with some of my friends who have kids, 
And like all of them are like, whatever. <laughs> I'm like, what, where, it, it seems like there's almost this disconnect between me and them. And they're just like, my kids can handle this. It'll be fine. And I'm like, but, but that's really sad. Like, At the same time <laughs> though, we kind of turned out okay, right? Like. Yeah, I guess we did. I'm yeah. thinking about also like Atreyu and, um, oh my God, what's the horse's name? Oh God. Yeah. In, in Never Ending Story. Never Ending Story. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and even like think about Exo Squad, right? It's doing the same thing. It's like priming you as a child yep. for things that are going to become relevant later, like trauma, depression, you know, like all these. I don't know. Right. I think about that scene with the train, and I'm like, oh, like this is losing a friend to suicide, or like this is losing a friend to depression, right? It's <laughs> in a weird fucked yeah. up way. Like that media primed me for a lot of things that would happen in my adulthood. <laughs> yeah, and that and that's and that's probably like that's the reason that I can look at it and be like, okay, yeah, maybe it is okay that they watch it because. <laughs> It's probably better for them to learn this lesson here than being like having nothing to draw from as an adult. If you like in that particular example, if you do lose a friend to suicide, right. like it's not gonna it's not gonna make it okay, but maybe like it'll help you process it somehow. Yeah. Like, you're not alone. Maybe... Like this isn't an abnormal. This is a thing that does happen, and you're not alone. Like in having experienced it. And maybe the thing, I mean, speaking again as someone who doesn't have children, so I'm not trying to comment on other people's parenting, but maybe then the thing to do is, like, use that media as a way to have that conversation with your kids, like, at an age-appropriate level of, like, oh, this is what right. it looks like when your friends are really sad. Like, here's how you could Which, know. <laughs> but that's the step that the parents of millennials missed, right? <laughs> like, my, my parents never sat down with me and were like, yeah optimus prime died like this is this is what happens like sometimes people die (laughs) they're probably like oh he's crying because the robot died (laughs) bring the damn robot back god damn it (laughs) well let's all risk corona to go watch that movie Um. yes yeah Yeah. bring it on start a new new outbreak for transformers 86 yeah Uh, d is for dune and delta so and the uh, uh, one thing I'm not really going to plug, but I will mention, is the new um, Jackass movie comes out the same day as Dune. So definitely, because I'm going to like probably go do a double feature that same night. What? <laughs> yeah, there's a new Jackass movie. They're like old too. It looks really funny. Um, they like make a gag about how like concussions are way worse after you're 50, and they're like, "Well, Johnny Knoxville's 49, so he'll be fine." <laughs> and oh then God. they show him getting like launched into something. Like, my I love this. I love Jackass the in general. Um, but as like a, as a reckless youth, Jackass kind of like tapped into a vibe that I don't know, I I vibed with, let's say, but. But now does he have to contend with the existential reality that there's a Jackass movie coming out in 2021? (laughs) I know, right? What am I doing with my life? Uh, Not, apparently not launching yourself into like brick walls, which, you know, I think lost opportunity there, Dave, you've, you've let us all down. Someday I will regale you with the story of when someone bet me that I couldn't run full speed into a brick wall. I thought you were going to say uh, you're going to regale us with the story of when a friend of yours jumped on your back and drove you into a brick wall, uh, sending I, you to the someday, hospital. Someday, someday, uh, friend. Who someday will I will. Nameless. I wonder who that friend was. <laughs> I, can't, I cannot remember who possibly. <laughs> hey, at least that friend drove you to the hospital, right? <laughs> you know what? I can't remember either. I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that, man. That was you realize that was like twenty years ago, like this month. 
Yeah. Wow. Oh, that's the Elder Millennial Network for you. Yeah. <laughs> Emphasis on the Elder. <laughs> so old. Anyway. My Goodbye, everyone. Network. Say- bye. <laughs> okay. Bye. Bye, everyone. <laughs> Stay safe, everyone. Oh, bye bye. Bye.